Station podcast. I'm Will. I'm Tom. I'm this week's interrogator. Oh, you said it right. I know. I didn't say invigilator <laughs> or instigator, and you are. I'm. I'm today's speculator. Yes. Now. Every week, one of us brings in a mystery object. That's always the interrogator. That's me this week. That asshole. I have a, a mystery object between my legs as we speak. Oh God, between your legs. Uh, yep. Sir. And this asshole is going to try and speculate upon it. And otherwise, we talk about whatever the hell we want. And I'm going to enjoy it. We have no internet. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. And we're locked in this room. Yeah, or at least it would be hard to get out between the lights, the cameras, and Matt. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very difficult. Yeah, and uh, Matt has made a point of putting uh, nailing the door shut. He won't let us out. No, no, no not until yeah, we've got kill the first. Matt leave, yes. Matt is our lovely producer. And and we're locked in this room and we're gonna do the whole thing in one take and just see what happens. This is a free conversation. It's we're a not, free country. We're not prepared, really, uh, except uh, <laughs> if you can say that again. <laughs> so here we go. I have an object for you, you may close your eyes. I'd like you to hold out a single hand of your choosing. He's gone with the left, classic hand. Yeah, yeah. Left hand path. Here it goes. Oh. Vassist. Oh, it's like a little uh, American football or rugby ball. It is a rugby ball. Hey. Quite spongy, small rugby ball. Oh, a classic with the uh, the divisions. Yes, the divisions. I do, fe- I do, I do feel the need to... Th- throw it? To chuck it, yeah. You're throwing it forwards, which is an American football pass. What do you have to do in rugby? Oh, you, have you have to, to always have to pass backwards. Always have to pass backwards. You can yeah. kick forwards, but pass backwards. And, uh, uh, and what's cool about the rugby ball, and I don't know anything about the American football, but I imagine it's the same is the sort of aerodynamicsness of the shape. Yeah, the ovoid. Whereas you... Because I remember when you were passing backwards in rugby, you'd always have to make sure you were aiming it in the pointy way. Yes, to make sure it got and those... give it a little spin with your hands Yeah, as you yeah, go. And, and sometimes when, when you kicked it, you really wanted it to spin on its axis sometimes. Yes. Yeah. The American football is very similar, except it has those laces. And they're there for a reason, aren't they? I think it was... I think it's, these days it's more of a, a hark back to the traditional customs of... The old balls which were laced mm. up. I don't think they need them these days, but they have them anyway. It's very colourful and it's got a lovely feel to it. It's quite spongy, isn't it? Yeah, it's got. It's quite low on odour. <laughs> low on odour. Kind of a, a like plasticky that. smell. Uh, I can't believe we haven't smelled our previous mystery objects before, actually. Yeah, it's, but it definitely smells kind of spongy. Uh, oh, it's so smooth as well. It's real smooth, and yeah. And such a lovely, airy feel. You, get, you listen to the air squeezing out of it. Not actually that, that audible. No, because it's a certain type of material, I Maybe guess. Maybe because so I'm deaf. I'm going to hit you with a card from the Please question. Please don't hit me. I might throw this at you. Well, not a forward pass, because then you've done a foul in rugby. Oh, shit. So the question is, who would benefit from this? Uh, a very small person wanting to play rugby. Sure. <laughs> uh, a midget rugby league. Yes. Can we say midget these days? I don't think yeah. we can, right? Yeah, uh, but you could, you could say... Uh, I mean, kids could play... Uh, very small kids, though. But... Who would benefit from a rugby ball? Anyone who wanted to play rugby would be a, a sure. good and star. Who would benefit from a small, kind of novelty, oh, spongy rugby ball? Well, uh, you know they do robot uh, football or soccer? Yes. Uh, where they try and make robots who can play the best football oh, as possible. Right. There's a whole competition every year to see, you know, which... I think it's a team or is it maybe one or two people? Uh, one or two people, robots. <laughs> which players can, you know, score the most goals and do best. So maybe this would be suitable for a similar... Rugby-based uh, robot competition. Robot rugby. Robot rugby. Robo rugby. Robo rugby. We've already invented. Robo rugger. All right. Uh, uh, how have we not said rugger? Well, we're only <laughs> we're only about two saying. minutes in. 
you know. Yes, because rugger in the UK is a, is a shorthand for rugby. And I, yes. it's a short, it's a, a very posh. Yes. Uh, shorthand for rugby, it's but a, it's wonderful. It's associated with the posher side of rugby, and indeed, rugby as a sport in the UK is associated more with, I'd say, the middle class. And football slash soccer is associated more with the working class, right? Would yeah, you agree? It's not. I don't think it's as simple as that. I think in England that's true. Uh, in Wales, rugby is just the sport. Yes, they're very they're passionate they, they, about they, it. They're passionate about it. All, all you know, everyone. Whereas, and as we speak right so now, this, in fact, literally as we speak, no, no, tomorrow, Six Nations is happening. We had one last weekend, yeah. three matches last weekend, three matches Six. this weekend, mm. and for us, the English. Our biggest rivals are the Welsh. Would you agree? I mean, Matt, you watch the Six Nations. Do you think the Welsh are our biggest rivals? Yeah. They're the ones we really have to watch well, out I, I, I'd, say, I'd say the Welsh are probably one of the biggest rugby teams out there. They absolutely are. They're, they're, they're stonking at it. I heard the Scottish don't really go for rugby as much. I'm they, assuming they, they have a big team. I they're know, very, but... I'd say they're pretty stable with their rugby. They know how to play it. They know how to be good at it. It doesn't mean they're going to be great every year, but if they want to be great, they yeah. definitely can be. In the Six Nations, it used to be Five Nations, but Six Nations now. Was that Australia added in? No, so it's all European. So you've got the home nations of England. You've got Ireland, England, Wales, Scotland. Yeah. And what are the other two European teams, you know, who might be in the Six Nations? Is it France? Yes, and... Holland? No, so it's Italy. Oh, They yeah, are Porsche, the newest, right? Yeah. They're the newest nation to the Six Nations, and bless them, they're... They're full of heart, but they're not full of rugby skill at the moment. But that's, that's, that's not fair. They are. They have some incredibly Whoa. skilled players like Sergio Parise. Uh, the Japanese uh, started playing rugby. A big deal. It's become a big deal. Uh, the, their rugby team in the Olympics did pretty well. I know they're never going. Uh, their women's rugby team, I yeah, think, I think, was so. exceptional. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. I think you're right. I'm not. I, I can't. Oh, remember, yeah, well, that's what we do. I know here, one we? of their rugby teams kicked ass uh, at the Olympics. But it's all right. It's a speculation station. We don't need to know uh, things. We, we don't know things. We just speculate. talk bollocks generally. And I, I grew up in Hong Kong where they had the Hong Kong Rugby Sevens, which was teams of you know, seven-a-side rugby, which my dad was uber-passionate about. But I don't know who played. I don't know if it was Asian teams or Western teams that were playing out in Hong Kong. You're giving it a good spin there on the table, aren't mm. you? It doesn't make a noise. It's going to roll off, and I've caught it. Fantastic. What? You thrown it right in my head? That hit me almost square in the forehead. Thank you, champ. Right, right, right. Before we go on, may I uh, just let's talk about rugby at school? Like, oh yeah, compared to football. Yes. Um, <laughs> because uh, and fo- football, when we say it, we are referring to soccer uh, for any American audience. Yes, uh, we would just call their sport football, but we yeah, call our football yeah, soccer because you use your feet. Yeah. Uh, uh, but. Uh, uh, I, I always found your football kind of uh, tried, but there was something about rugby that maybe it was the physical contact, mm-hmm. maybe. But I really, I wasn't. I'm a small guy. I'm not like a big rugby dude. But I really, I was. I, I, I was always in the scrum. I was always running yes. down. I, I loved all that. Well, stuff. that's the. Fasc- I love the violence of the sport. And One I of love- the fascinating things about rugby is, of course, a lot of people would consider it to. When you think of a rugby player, you think of a big dude, yeah. right? Muscly, brawny, just big. But the nice thing about rugby is that there's also a great, great necessity for the small, wiry, yeah. quick guys as well. Yeah, not only in the scrum, but also, which is, how do you describe the scrum? The scrum. A big pile of dudes. <laughs> well, it's like if you link arms with a group of guys next to you and behind you, and another group of guys do the same opposite you, and then you lock together in a kind of Roman soldier turtle form. Yeah, 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 and you sort of headlocked, and somebody drops the ball in the middle, and you've got to try and get the ball out the back. While still staying upright, because of yeah, course it's and a you foul can't of rugby grab it with your hands. You can't collapse the scrum. 
You can't grab the ball there. It has to be kind of you have to pull it out, out with your feet. And usually out the back, and then hopefully your yes. team will get it. And generally, scrums are formed as a re- requirement from the referee. However, every now and then, a natural scrum forms yeah. on the field in the oh, middle of play. And that's beautiful. It's one of the best parts of rugby. We're actually... Not great at, at scrums well, compared England. to yeah, yeah England not, not great at scrums. Uh, there are other nations in the Six Nations who are better at it. Matt can probably help me out here. Who's good at scrums in the Six Nations? The French tend to be pretty good at it. The Welsh are, of course, they are fantastic they're good at, all at scrums. The, uh, elements yeah. of rugby, and they they are big uh, Welsh Valley dudes. I, I, another thing that's common in rugby. Uh, do, do you remember playing rugby when it was super icy and cold? Oh yes, yeah, so and you, you'd fall over and just graze your whole body top to bottom and you know catching the ball if you caught it wrong and on the end of your fingertips it would numb forever and I remember at, at, at prep school when I was you know maybe nine ten years old in the autumn winter time we'd go we'd go to play rugby and it was our playing fields were like a good half a mile from the school and they were downhill which is great when you're going there not great when you've played a sport for an hour and a half and you've got to walk back up in the freezing cold and I remember our changing rooms we're in these old stables because our school was this amazing old country mansion that had been sequestered into a school. And the stables were the changing rooms and they had no heating and you're already cold enough. So you'd go back to the stable changing rooms and try to put on your shirt and button up the buttons. And you know that feeling when yeah. your fingers are so numb, you can't, you don't get any feedback to the brain. So your brain doesn't know what's going on. So it just, I couldn't button you, up my shirt. Well, yeah, you sort of get, you become ham hands. You're sort of ham-handed, yes. <laughs> you're just <laughs> trying you just to get one button into one hole. It's like, uh, the you know, on jeans when they have button flies instead of, oh, uh, instead of uh, zip flies. Zip but flies. they're never just normal buttons. They're always these, re- probably because they don't want to break, but they're these really hefty, difficult buttons and you have Disked to... Like, buttons, yeah. And you have to really, disc. like... Jimmy them around and to, to quite get them in easy a... to, to take off because you go pop 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 and they un- and they undo no sometimes. sometimes. But for for bathroom visits, oh, it's so annoying. Really difficult. You're better off undoing your belt, undoing the top couple of buttons. Absolutely everything. <laughs> yeah, and just it's much quicker. <laughs> it is much quicker. Yeah, button flies. I get it, but they're they're not for me. Yeah, I mean, I have many button flies just because the the the, the jeans I happen to like happen to have them. Do you know where most zips come from? Zips. Yeah, most zips. What about them? Well, do you know where they where most of them come from? A company oh, in terms a of production, no. Yes. No. So it's a Japanese com- com- no. company, YKK, something like the Yamazuki Kama, blah, 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 blah. Let's see my zip right now. Oh, no, it's made by Tex. If you've got a zip on you, have a look. It might say YKK on it. Let's have a look at our trousers. Matt might have some zips on him somewhere. He can get back to us in a moment. There's some coats behind but, you as well, uh, Matt. To note, by on. the way, zips are what uh, Americans call zippers, if you're unsure of what we're talking I about. I think they probably would have worked out. No, no zips, Matt. But most of them, I think the vast That's majority are made by YKK. Interesting. Which is... Yeah, you might think that a Chinese manufacturer might be doing it, but no, the Japs, they make those good, good no zips surprise. and zippers. Yeah. So I'm going to... To pick up the question card that I picked up about 10 minutes ago <laughs> yes, and yes. then you sequestered the conversation somewhere else which is okay because that's what we do here it's fine I'm not you know mad. I think you're offended and upset so the question is why is it not made of something else and you can talk about rugby balls in general or this little well, let's, miniature let's start one. with this little ball I think it's made of this because it's probably A. affordable yes B. very spongy and safe tactile yeah and it's not made. It's not fully inflatable, so so it's durable and lasts. That's true. It won't <laughs> deflate really because it's just spongy material. And uh, I think, I think the reason it's not made out of leather or if it, oh god, those little inflate. Have you seen the little inflatable ones as well? Of what rugby balls? Yeah, little inflatable rugby balls and little inflatable footballs. You can get them. Oh, okay. 
No, so tiny rugby balls, I've only ever seen the ones like this, where it's a kind of, you know, um, unilateral, that's the wrong word, but it's one single spongy piece rather than a bladder or an air pocket that's then blown into it. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. So, uh, real rugby ball, they're not really made of leather anymore or anything like that. No, they used but to football, be. But the footballs tend to have leather on the outside, but they tend to have this more fabric layer underneath the sort that's of right. outer leather, and then, of course, uh, more just rubber on the inside. On the inside. And, inside and what did everything, what did these balls used to be made from way back when? Oh, isn't it like pigskins or stomachs? Uh, or pig's bladder. Well, pig's bladder, pig's stomach, and then covered with, even not even covered sometimes, just literally So it's bladder. just like, uh, you know, like haggis that you didn't decide to eat, you decided to kick it around. Well, also, there are lots of cultures around the world, I think Native American tribes included, who took animal bladders, mm. cleaned them out, and then they would become water gourds, so... We, I think we've known for a long time that, that oh. animal bladders are great for containment, well, whether it's I air wonder, or liquid. I wonder why they're good for that. Because <laughs> that's what they do. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what they were <laughs> Imagine getting involved for. A heart, an animal heart, and trying to tie off the ventricles and use it as a, a weirdly shaped ball. But speaking of weirdly shaped balls, <laughs> that sounds odd. But the rugby ball, and I guess in the same extent the American football, are fascinating. Every time you put it down, it rolls off the table. The, the tilt in this room is terrible, young man. Um... When it hits the ground, these balls roll in the most odd way. And you see this in every rugby mm. match. Someone kicks the ball, and it hits the ground, and the person trying to get it, they have to... It's like chasing a chicken. You have to grab it, It yeah. suddenly changes direction. That's yeah, a really yeah. interesting part of the game. Although, of course, when it comes to soccer and football, a round ball is also interesting because of the things you can do with that, like Beckham. Oh, Beckham's course, yeah. ability with the ball and cornering well, and crossing just, is... I mean, beyond Beckham, just any any sort of... Uh, any, uh, you know, yes. Uh, the, the whole, like, curling the ball and the way you put spin on it. The same is true in snooker. Golf. Yeah, all of these... Yeah, golf as well, yeah. yeah. And they've got the wind to care about there. And I tennis? guess you do in football, yeah, tennis. You're a tennis fan, right? Yeah, uh, but I'm not very good at it, but I enjoy watching uh, it. You don't need to be good at a sport to enjoy no. it. What's your favourite tennis tournament? Queens, Wimbledon, Australian Wimbledon. Open? Because it's... It's Wimbledon. It's queen slash king uh, of tennis. Yeah, and uh, I, I have tried to watch, like, other ones, and I have enjoyed it, but there's something... About, for me... I'm probably not a tennis fan. I'd probably say I'm a Wimbledon fan. Yes, I, I, that's a lovely way of putting it. I'm exactly the same. Because it's something about the fact that there's no sun in the UK, but the main grass tournament in the entire world, for some reason, is in the UK. Yes, where... Where we it's li- liable to rain. Although last year's Wimbledon, I seem to remember, was yeah. really sunny. Well, I can't imagine why. We, we, the last summer was literally the hottest... As I said, uh, I mentioned to you before, it killed my Christmas tree. Oh, yes. Because I had my Christmas tree out, trying to keep it alive. For the know, next it, year. Yeah, as I, as I like to do. But it, it killed a lot of, lot of plants and a lot of people's gardens. Mm. Last year, it's one of the hottest summers. Well, it makes massive changes. The Super dry. Yes. And it reminds me of the, the London 2012 Olympics. We were really lucky because it was mm. so sunny throughout. It was, it was wonderful that, to know that when the world was watching, they were going to see sunshine in England. Because people think of England or the UK and they think, Rain, they think grey weather, grey clouds, but actually sunny and warm the whole way through. And it was yeah. beautiful to watch those Olympics. And again, I'm not a mm. sports fan, but I like the Olympics. I'm not a tennis fan, like you say, but I like Wimbledon. Yeah, there's really, something the magical only, about Wimbledon. The only sports I, I, I kind of follow really is MMA. Um, and rugby I half follow when it comes to Six Nations, whereas my wife is... Th- the rugby fan, she screams uh, at the television, screams at it. It's interesting in terms of following sports. I don't, I don't really follow any sports anymore uh, at all, I wouldn't say. No, not really. Not well, really. You're a busy person. You probably don't have time in your life for sports, perhaps. No, not really. I mean, I, but I, I do enjoy... Uh, 
As I say, I, 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 you, but the, I do the, the sports that will catch me are like tennis on the yes. television, particularly Wimbledon. I, I'll enjoy. Wait, you're a snooker fan, right? I love watching snooker. Yeah, and I, I love hate playing snooker. snooker. I love playing it. It's one of the. I, th- I think it's one of the most satisfying sports, and it's just something about the way the balls clink off each other. The way it's a clack rather than a clink. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, and it's just I love. There's something really satisfying about. Okay, this ball has gone here. Oh, bounces here, bounces here, clacks off this ball, which well, goes over uh, here. And it's just, there's something so magical about that, particularly when there's chaos and you just... It's a sport of geometry and physics, oh, isn't just, it? it? Yeah, and it, and it's a sport of precision and so much skill. And like and the tricks, you know, when people snooker each other, which in professional snooker is... And a snooker is when you block the other person from being able to get the oh, ball they're trying them. to hit. Yeah. And... Uh, and it's, you could use the term snooker in pool, weirdly, as well. Oh, that's right, we did, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah you block it, someone's ball. It is ball. the correct term to use in... in, 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 in it's weird, that, and I think you can use it in billiards as well. Oh, I was going to ask you Because that. It's, the, the idea, basically, is to try and snooker your opponent, and you play things like safety shots, and it's the idea of, oh, you play a safety shot, try and get a snooker. You try and get them to make a mistake so you can then clean up. Because And the point is, they never... The, the idea is you're kind of forcing each other to make errors. But then, in terms of fouls, not, not so much making a foul or making an error that way but basically leaving the other person open for a pot so they can... What I appreciate in snooker is the quiet. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's a very peaceful sport. And actually, tennis has a lot of that as well. You know, the crowd is quiet and there's just that soft tock, tock of the ball going oh, back and forth. And it's the... For me, beyond beyond the, the wonders of the physical nature of the sport yes. is... The atmosphere, the the style that goes with I would Stuka. say the best thing about every sport is this atmosphere. I remember years ago in America, we went to, went to see a, a baseball game. And baseball is the is America's sport, or America's pastime, as it's yeah. often called. But even for Americans, they admit that it's quite boring sometimes. But a live baseball game is exciting, and it's the atmosphere is unbeatable. I noticed you pronounced that in an American way, exciting. Did I? Exciting. Ex- sorry, it's exciting. And <laughs> I pronounce every consonant. I didn't realise we weren't allowed to drop some certain sounds without being no, American. Just, yeah, that's, I just noted that you went to, to your American twang there. I think, funny enough, come back to, to the rugby ball, rugby, something in the Six Nations has taken on a certain American style in terms of the the drama and the theatre the surrounding circumstance. Yeah. Exactly, pomp and circumstance. So Six Nations, they love their, their flame... The things right, Matt. They have those big things that shoot flame at the beginning of matches, and they have their sound effects when people score tries, and they have like these kind of things. And I know when I saw baseball in America, they have this very famous thing they do for baseball games, which is um, they have a like a a little line of tune. It's like a like a trumpet lick, and then they then they say charge, charge, and it just really gets a crowd. Unified with each other, even the opposing sides, you're all part of that same thing. On a slight related note, there's something about sports fields I like on television that I always found curious, and I know why they do it, but I really like it when they print stuff on the grass so it has the appearance of being 3D. Yes. I just, that always amazed me when I saw that as a kid. So, my wife, up until recently, thought that they were projecting that with computers. (sighs) I said, no, that's painted on, and you can see with rugby because. They make a lot of contact with the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, and they go sliding across it. You see guys that come up with, like, the blue paint of a, of a bank's advertising on, on the grass or a bit of, of white well, from the line. I just think that, that, that that's... I don't... In rugby, it's scoring a try. Uh, what do you call it? Is, is it just a kick when you score a kick? What do you call well, it? Well, no. So if you, if you kick just in the normal course of the game, it's a drop goal. 
Yeah, we've got kick, Matt. Yeah, that's three points, isn't it? Or is it we've two? got goal, thank you. I think that's right. Mm. Uh, whereas if you score a try and then you kick, it's a begins with C. Con. Do you know it? Conversion. No, I wouldn't have got it. Oh, really? So you don't. No, 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 no. It's just okay. been too long since I've oh, that's, played. That's fair enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, a try is like a goal in football, and a conversion is when you then successfully kick the ball through the goalpost after the try. However, depending on where the try is scored, wherever that ball falls, that depends on where the the conversion is kicked. Oh, from. that makes sense. Yeah. So, oh, because it's so it's, it's, if it's further back, if it's further towards the sidelines, yeah. the kicker then has to kick from almost the sidelines and have a have a very angled kick, which is really which is obviously way more difficult. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the 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 ideal is to is to try, score your try mm. as close to the goalpost as possible in the centre, because then your kicker just kicks straight down the centre. Mm. It's still not easy because that ball is. I've, I remember kicking this as a kid. It's so weird to kick it. You have to be really perfect. Compared think, to football. I think my, my unfortunate thing about all sports, football, rugby, is the clothing choice isn't great. In what in what sense? You mean when you were at school, perhaps? No, when you were actually playing rugby. The, well, the, these the days... Gear, yeah, yeah. These days, modern rugby gear is really high-tech. Yeah, I, I, totally, I, I, I respect fitting, all of yeah. that, but in terms of, like, you know, if I, if I want to walk out, you know, I don't... Yeah. Again, this is why snooker is more. Are you attractive. saying you want to look fashionable? Yeah, it's snooker. You could get to wear a waistcoat, right? You get and a to... nice shirt and tie. Yeah, yeah. Black there's shoes, a little sense of yeah. style, you know. And uh, well, and again, on the snooker point, what's really interesting in there is it's it's mostly British people, Irish people, and some Chinese, and the Chinese as well seem to be into snooker, which is weird. Which again, it's one. Of, it's one of, like rugby. It's a really kind of weirdly niche sport that only captures certain nations. That's true. There are some very. I very guess baseball's that because baseball is like America and America Japan. Japan and nowhere else. And that's pretty much it. Uh, Which is odd, actually, because it's it's a pretty fun sport. And do you know where baseball originated? Here in the UK. Oh, that's a surprise. <laughs> but we we play rounders here. That's, that's where it comes from. And softball, but that's more American. Rounders is the original baseball, and baseball comes from that. I yes. don't. I never liked rounders. We played a bit at school. I quite enjoyed it. Loads. it. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. That, uh, did you ever play hockey? Yes, yeah, so I was reminded of that earlier because you were talking about playing rugby in, in the cold winter. Uh. And hockey, of course, is a, is a winter sport in the UK. Now, what we're talking about, the North Americans would call field hockey. Oh, yeah, because we call what you call hockey ice hockey. Yes, which for them is, you know, for Canadians especially, is it is the sport. Well, that makes sense. It's a great sport. I'd recommend yeah, yeah, for it. Sure, yeah. My wife and I have watched it a lot recently. It's, it's, it's brutal, it's fast, there's a lot of actual, like, literal fighting. But field hockey, in the winter, you've got your hockey stick. And if you hit that ball wrong, and it's easier to hit it wrong than it is in the <laughs> right, and the vibration travels up into your hands, and it feels like it goes into your very soul. It was only the girls that got to play hockey at our school. And weirdly, different... field hockey is a very female-dominated sport internationally. Whatever, it's fair enough. It's But I always wanted to play. The only version of hockey I have ever played in my life is unihock. Which is what? Which is basically indoor hockey. I've never played that. We played on a kind of uh, artificial grass, I guess. No, no. no or just, just on like on like you know like hard a gym, gym floor. surface, yeah. Gym floor, uh, and it's just like uh, and you just whap a like a puck around. Oh, it's a with a puck, not a ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool, actually. I think that's what uh, and it, that we Unihawk. always called Unihawk when we were at school. Never heard of that. Yeah, and uh, that's there the are only some, one I was allowed to play. There's some interesting sports out there like uh, disc golf, also frisbee golf, as it's uh, called. That's not. Yeah, I think you've mentioned this bit. To yeah, me before. it's it's quite yeah. fun. I'd rather play that than actual golf. Ah. Yeah, probably. But I, I don't know. I, there's something about golf that, again, the technicality of golf that I enjoy the the pleasure of. It's very, it's a very laid back sport to watch on TV, especially if you're watching. It's a lot of hard work to actually swing a golf club. It's surprisingly like oh, it's, it's your, real hard. It looks like you're just chilling. 
but it's not. It's a lot. The, the, it's a the lot more complicated form, than that. Yeah. The strike of the ball is very tricky. I played a little bit as a kid, and I think it's true with everyone. Whether you're an amateur or a pro, you can have great days and bad days. Yeah. And sometimes you hit that ball, and it goes exactly where you want it to go, and you go like, "Great, I've got this game." Oh, snooker rage. Yes. Sorry, not snooker, but uh, a golf, uh, golf rage. rage. Yeah, when you, you get it bad, people break their clubs and stuff. They like do. That. They snap their clubs, clubs <laughs> over their legs, and they throw them away. And I guess it's more frustrating for them because, as I say, you think you've got it. Yeah, Great, I'm yeah. playing well this week or this month, and then suddenly you play the worst game of your life. Whereas yeah. other sports, you can be more consistent. I think golf is a less forgiving mistress, let's say. And on that note, I'm going to take a question from the deck. Ooh. Uh, and it's a wild card. It's one you've done before. It's Foley. So you have to answer the next question with sound effects. I think this is right up your alley, to be honest. Uh, okay, <laughs> this is a difficult one to do a sound effects for. Great. Uh, well, you're an actor, you can do this. What could this little rubby ball be a metaphor for? Or a metaphor, as some people say, which I hate. It's metaphor. Yeah, metaphor. So a little tiny rubby ball, spongy rugby ball, could it be a metaphor? Please include sound effects <laughs> of any type, really. It's up to you. Okay, so a little rugby ball <laughs> uh, makes a little... So I guess it could be because it's small, rather yes. than smaller than an actual rugby ball, and it does say children's charity of rugby. I yes, the wooden spoon charity. Yes. The wooden spoon charity. Uh, because it says that, it, <laughs> this is going to be difficult to do with any kind of sound effects. Yes, <laughs> you've already done a couple. Well done. Uh, because it's uh, really, really small. What's the sound of that squeezy as you sponge it? Well done. So, uh, because it's really small, it's like kind of a metaphor for... Because there's big rugby, right? Yeah, there's <laughs> big rugby. It's big rugby, full-size rugby. For big boys. For, for, for yeah, big girls. For, for big boys and big girls. And then you've got little rugby for little boys and little girls. So it's kind of a metaphor for childhood. It's kind of a metaphor for having somewhere to go. Because you start small and you get bigger. Oh, I like right? that progression, yes. So, uh, to do that with the sound effect... Can you give effect, me the sound effect of getting bigger progressing? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to think. So, it would start small, something like... Or, that's Hoo. getting smaller. That's no, wait, 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 wait. Oh, sorry, mate, sorry. So, the small sound effect is something like... <laughs> and the big sound effect is... <laughs> That's perfect. And the small one's more like... Oh, it's whipping around now. Yeah, 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 because yeah, small people are faster. Unexperienced time, quicker. Mm, you say that. Usain Bolt is a, is a big dude. You see him standing next to uh, competitors on that 100-metre starting line. He's a big old dude. So? What's that got to do with small rugby? I Nothing. said you said small people are fast. I'm saying big people can also be fast. How uh, dare you? Yeah, but you're wrong. That's and racist. Usain Bolt is actually the slowest runner ever. Oh, is he actually? Yeah. We're yeah, just so, a bit confused yeah. about how we watched him. You're racist against small people. Well, big people. Well, whomever, I don't like them. Whomsoever, please, <laughs> is the correct terminology. Howsoever you choose to ask your questions. <laughs> yes, well, and well whatsoever sound effects I choose to... Boof, you got some good metaphors and sound effects. I'm not sure I really did get any good metaphors. Well, you did some, and that's all we asked for. <laughs> so we'll move on to another one immediately, Ma. Matt's going to change our tablecloth because it is, it is drifting. Thank you, Matt. You've got another wild card. Excellent. And it's perspective, which means you have to answer the next question as. Oh. And I'll choose that in a moment once I see the question here. Hmm. The question is, will it still exist in 100 years? And what I want you to do 
is answer the question as me. What would my answer be to this question? Will it still exist in 100 years? Oh, hello, my name's Will, and I'm incredibly posh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes, I did, yes. Oh, yes, I just, uh, I've been travelling around the world, jet-setting. Why do I sound like I have, like, upper-class ennui? Because that's that's what you have. Oh, my life yeah, is so that, I just sort of, oh, yes, laser up. Yeah, so, uh, that's me, Will. So, so, what was the question? I, I forgot, forgot what the question was. It was something about 100 years. Well, it's still exists oh, 100 yes. years. Well, I think everything gets better, you know, as years years go by. I certainly know. do. Things improve as the years go by. Things get better as the years go by. Do you sound like that? Yeah. That's a really good impression. Yeah, I think it's pretty accurate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you sound very much like Jacob Rees-Mogg. What would I say about that existing in 100 years? So I rugby say ball. the rugby ball, in general, I think you'd say it must exist in a thousand years. because A thousand now? A thousand years. Years? <laughs> because the rugby ball is incredibly important to culture. And even if uh, society were to collapse and our culture were to dissipate into a global culture, the sport of rugby will exist, but it will develop and become maybe merged with American football. Maybe no. it might not, or American they might, rugby. or they might spawn ch- child sports or something like that. But it is hundred percent going to exist because I love it because I'm Will. Oh, perfect! That is me. I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. Right I know, now. Right. That's how I am. Yeah. I went to public school. I love the way that uh, yeah, the, the, the absolute poshest people pronounce words in the most oh. bizarre way. Like, yes. yes, and saying yes is like saying the word ears. Yes. Why? Why? Uh, not why, but why? Why? Only oh, going slightly Scottish. Why? why are you doing that? It's, it's a rare episode we get away without doing our Scottish accent. Terrible Scottish accent. I know. Aye, I'm sorry about that. Apologies to all Scottish people. We're not trying to offend you or uh, comment at all on Scottish independence. I we. Little Nicola Sturgeon, isn't she lovely? Well, I, I, I really like that kind of wee Scottish accent, Aye, especially nice. when you know you're answering the telephone. Hello. And you, you phone, oh, hello, this is Virgin Media. <laughs> is that what you get when you turn your, your ISP? Yes, yeah, hello, like, hello, your internet's broken, don't worry, you switch your router off and put it on again. Even if you were in a, in a wild rage, as soon as you hear that voice, you, you're yeah, all right. It's true, it's true. It well, does. Scots and Geordies, Geordies, yeah, Geordies have Newcastle. And I remember a while ago, it was kind of voted or considered to be the most friendly and trustable accent in the UK. I think it still is. And call centres in the UK are often staffed by Geordies for that exact reason, because for whatever anger you phone up in, as soon as Geordie goes, Oh, oh wait, hello there! That's a terrible You hear Geordie Will's accent. voice and you'll be angry immediately. What do you want? And no, that's not true. So there was a thing no, about no, this. Yeah, yeah, because they bring in authority. You yes. bring in someone who's got a posh voice to sound like they're an authority Yeah, so you when- call a call centre with a problem. And the, the hapless call centre employee tells you everything they can tell you, gives all the help they can give you, and you say, no, I'm so unsatisfied, give me your supervisor slash manager. And the manager comes on, and they're a posh person like me, me, and they say exactly the same thing that the, the operative said, but the caller accepts it because it comes from this, as you say, more authoritative posh person. Because it's true, uh, at least in the, uh, the British context, I don't know how a British voice sounds in America or anywhere else around the world, but if somebody sounds like... Prince George over here. Uh, uh, Prince or, George? You mean Kate Middleton and William Windsor's kid, who doesn't really say uh, much Whatever. Yet. You know, one of the, one of the princes. Uh, Prince Charles. 
I'll call you... <laughs> <laughs> One of those princes. Prince George and Prince Charles, they're the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the... oh, I missed him! I threw the rugby ball in his head like he did earlier, but I missed but yeah, him. Yeah, if you've got the sound of that voice, people tend to, you know, ascribe authority to it. Yes. Generally. Good and use it, of even if that's not reasonable, and it probably is unreasonable, but it, it's an automatic... But it also tends to piss people off when you talk that way. It's, it is true. So when you're on the telephone, do you get posher? I probably do if it's a if it's a kind of business call or if I'm calling a, a company of some kind. Yes, I, I would say uh, yes. I'm I need blah 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 blah, and I put on posher voice, more formal mm. phrasing because I want them to respect. Absolutely. Me. I mean, sometimes I'll go to the point of you know doing a proper you know upping the posh voice. Listen, I'm sounding incredibly angry. Although, to be honest, I try not to get angry at yeah. call centre operatives because really they depe- have nothing to yeah. do with it, really. That, it really depends what it is and uh, how much force you need to p- put into the situation. In fact, I had I had an instance a few weeks ago. I, I've been trying to change my power supply and my electricity and gas at home. And the company uh, was making it's it always really difficult. difficult, right? Yeah. And I called up with a lot of rage in my heart, ready to give, give them everything I had. And the guy was so nice yeah. and so helpful. And... I know for for most companies around the world, especially something like telecoms, for example, when a customer is trying to leave, the operatives are told, do not let that customer leave. Whatever you can do to keep them, you do it. Even if it's mm. infuriating them on a five-hour five phone call so they get too tired to leave the company, you retain them. Customer retention. So I was a leaving customer, and this guy was so helpful. He talked to the other company I was trying to switch to. He told me when it was going to happen, what was going to happen, how he could help me. And that was... That actually made my day a lot better. Yeah. You and I were talking about this just earlier today in the yeah. car. The difference you can make just by having a positive interaction with yeah, someone. Yeah, and just saying, have a good day, or have an excellent day. Or, or even asking someone how they are at the beginning, yeah, yeah. how are you? Yeah, what, what have you been up to? Don't work too hard. Unfortunately, well, my, my parents' generation, especially my mum and her friends, they, they consider that to be overly familiar. So if a, if sort of like a cashier at a supermarket asks you how you are, that's overly familiar. How dare you ask? How, how dare you ask me <laughs> that how is, I am? That is the most snobbish thing ever. Who the fuck cares? You're in the modern world now where people speak to each other as human beings, so y- yeah, you have to yeah. get over it. Wow. To be overly familiar. Yeah, and one of them, I've told you this before, one of them, one of my mum's friends, was saying that she was a, she was aghast. She was absolutely um, <laughs> angered at the fact that a guy had come round to fix the plumbing, something like that. So a blue-collar worker in a white-collar household. And, uh, you know, she called him Mr. Something that was on his business card. He said, oh, no, please call me John. So she did. And then afterwards she said, oh, I was so angry that I called him John. It's so overly familiar. You can't possibly call people by their first names. What? That's absolutely What world do you live in? Gash. But even in business situations these days, people call the boss by, you know. Their first name. Oh, it's James. Yeah. Or something. But, you know, for a certain type of upper upper middle or upper class person, Mm. they still live in this upstairs, downstairs world of I'm upstairs in, in the house and you're downstairs in the servant's quarters, you're a servant who serves me. And we don't call you by your first name, you don't ask me how I am, but we've moved on from that world, for, for a good reason, because it's absolutely I, a gash pan way always, of dealing with people. I mean, how, I've always thought being a plumber, being a uh, a workman, would actually be, a f- in some ways, a fucking amazing job. Well, every day might be different, and they get paid a lot of money. No, no, not even that. I'm just talking about, yeah, they, they do get a decent... Yeah, decent you're talking pay. about the kind of the... The experience of... Okay, so I'm in a room on my own, you know, for most of the day. I'm ripping out a toilet, listening to music or listening to the radio, yeah. chilling out on my own. Yeah. Nobody messing around with me, getting on with a project, a job mm. that's quite satisfying when you do it well. Perhaps like an electrician on a building site. There's yeah. thousands of people around, but it's you, your task, doing it correctly, doing... 
and using your skill and these people are very skilled yeah. in, in their own and way it always seems like a very if you could get into it a very enjoyable job I think I knew a guy in Australia who would he was an, he is an electrician and he basically works for six months earns a whole bunch of money and then spends six months in Europe doing whatever he wants and partying then he goes back to Australia and continues to cycle and I think that's a, an interesting way to live it's not sustainable for, for everyone but it's a it's a cool job to allow for that kind of thing because it's not like it's not like being employed in an office where you can't really take six months off and then come back and have your job back again. You're essentially yeah, work, yeah. you work well, for yourself and you come back and you get jobs as as and when they happen. I knew a guy who uh, I met him in what I call uh, the facility for for <laughs> and which is basically when I did medical testing. So I went for uh, went to a medical testing company. Mm-hmm. And where you have pills tested on you, and you get paid money to have a little holiday, effectively. A little holiday in the facility. It's kind of bland food. Hospital and, holiday. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of interesting experience. And yeah. You meet, you meet, and what was interesting is the sort of characters of the people you get in there. But one of the guys there, he did it a lot. Oh yeah. And quite a few of them do. And Almost a like, lot of like their career. And it's not quite their career. They use it often to pay for the. This guy said, you know, I used this to pay for my wedding or whatever mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, but he. His main job was gambling, mm. betting, and he bet. And he in there, he in 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 the facility while he was doing that, uh, he'd have all these like little laptops, like two or three little. What he had an iPad, a tiny laptop, and a full size laptop <laughs> on his bed, and he was just betting, gambling in different places. And he didn't have a consistent job, but so he just make money that way and just sort of top it up by. If you know medical what you're doing, testing. you can. If you're careful about it, for sure. What do you think the most interesting? Or exciting job in the world is, and and we're excluding things that are self-employed, like say Felix Baumgartner, who did the the world's highest you know fee free fall job. Because that's not really a job as much. That's not a employed job. by a company kind of. So you say employed by a company, or could you be or a an organization? No, not self-employed. I'm going to say as a caveat for this one. Then yeah, I think that, okay. Okay, Matt. I'm going to re- put in a, a, a sort of a benchmark one, fighter pilot. I think so. I was thinking something in the aviation. So that's high octane yeah. for sure. I, octane, yes. yeah. Yeah, I, I th- I'd honestly think uh, being a movie actor would probably be up there. Can be, but it can be deathly boring. It can be absolutely. But then, same thing with a fighter pilot is a lot of it is waiting around and then oh, for a few minutes. On the same you have note, the there's the astronaut, ever. which is probably physically the most exciting thing when you're mm. on. But most of the time, 99.99% of the time, you're off. And you're sometimes, on the ground. And you won't even ever... Some, ever some, go back into space. And like sometimes you will says. never go into space. Yeah. Well, interesting, Matt mentions fighter pilots because often they become astronauts. Or they other astronauts are often from that world. It's either astronauts, basically. It's either or fighter pilots, pilots. It's either test pilots, fighter pilots, or scientists, really. Yes. Sometimes it's other people, but for not, not for the most part. I think there's... There's so many interesting jobs around the world that you're not really told about as a kid. You know, there's so much emphasis and onus on kids to choose their careers and oh, their Oh, it's ridiculous. Past. And it's always things well, like, do you want to be an insurance? Do you want to be in psychology? But no one ever says, you know, do you want to think about being a, a fighter pilot? Or the one I always think about is moat cleaner, because way back a few years ago when we had the politician's um, expenses scandal, one of our politicians was using taxpayer money to have his moat cleaned. And it makes me think, like, you know, mo- someone you does that? that job, but no one ever said at school mm. that you could be a moat cleaner well, or maybe a, a graphic artist of some uh, kind. It's really interesting. This sort of, uh, kids are kind of telegraphed really early, like they choose their GCSEs or choose their A-levels. Yes. Where they have to sort of narrow down what topics they're interested in. Whereas, I mean, it's, it's well, been well proven that, the, the in, on average, the human brain doesn't 
doesn't fully develop until I think it's the frontal cortex or the frontal lobes. Yes. Don't fully develop till you're 25. Well, it's only now I've started to kind of realise what it is I like doing what I want to do. Exactly. It's, it's so weird that we expect yeah. kids to know that. Kids of all people, let alone the development of the frontal cortex, as you say, just the the place psychologically and emotionally kids are in. Now that's why they're in that position. Yeah, well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's just so far away from a type of person who says, yes, I know what I want to do. Yeah. I'd and like to be an admin administrator in, a, in an office. And I think there's a story people tell that they, when, when they were born, they immediately knew they wanted to be a, a footballer, and then they became a footballer. Yes. And there's about three people that's true for. Yeah, absolutely, But there yes. are more people who tried a bunch of things and ended up finding something that they loved. Yeah, did this, did that, for example. Terry Pratchett, beloved British, late yeah. British author, who famously did... One a, of the most prolific. So many jobs. I think he was a journalist. He worked for the gas company and He worked for in a, a nuclear while. power plant. There you go, yeah. So... And he was 40 when his first book was published. I mean, I've done a number of different jobs. I've worked in finance, education... Uh, we both worked in the catering industry. Yes. <laughs> for, for want of anything better. Did a paper round. You did a paper round. How old? Uh, I was about uh, between 14, 15, That's 16. That's a classic kid job, isn't it? I never did that myself. It's not so much a big deal anymore, but I, I imagine... I did still, it still exists. Maybe in villages, I don't know. But I just cycled around the village really well, early in the my morning. My mum has a paper delivered by a paper boy in a town. Oh, right, sick. Although she's one of the last people to have a, a physical, you know, dead tree press paper. Exactly, it's uh, on the internet. But what do you think of that? Do you think... Do well, you think it will move permanently onto the internet, or is there something to be said for the solid... Yeah, I think both are true. There is something to be said for the real printed <laughs> paper, but at the same time, I think it, it inevitably will always... It has to go online. Weirdly enough, though, funnily enough, my wife and I were on a cruise recently, humble brag, and and <laughs> they they gave us a choice, you know, what, what kind of paper would you like? Different countries, American papers, British papers. So I chose uh, The Times from, from the UK for one of a better paper. And they put that outside our room every day. And I found myself really enjoying have a, having a physical paper to read. Big articles, stuff having in mm. Brexit, global politics, little things about, yeah. you know, recent developments in marine biology or some fun thing that's I happened. definitely think the, the ones just lying around in uh, waiting rooms, in places like that, are actually kind of nice. You just pick it up. And, and yeah, or on a train. great because you can choose the amount you want to read. A couple of little articles... A really big article that continues on a later page. Can you pass me my inhaler, please? I'm getting <laughs> wheezy right now. Listen to that. Let's see if the audience can hear this. Oh, it's gone. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's... I've got a... What about bygone professions like a kind of a Fred Dibner type? Fred Dibner. Fred Dibner, the, yeah. Kind of... As much as we have our kind like of science communicators, yeah. he was the industrial communicator. Yeah, well, he almost communicated the entire industrial revolution in Britain, really. He taught us all about it. Bygone careers. You're right, because there must well, be a load there's of a hole, by the way. There's a hole that are really having problems at the moment, particularly if you talk about repairing St Paul's Cathedral or, or repairing the Houses of Parliament, which is a big mm-hmm. deal at the moment, which is causing a huge controversy because they need to move it, Parliament out of Parliament for like a year to repair mm-hmm. it. But the, the arts used to make those kind of buildings mm. are becoming lost. That's and so true. there's only a few like masons left. Yes, or thatchers. And that well, Thatcher's had there's still quite a big business in thatching because there's a lot of thatch houses around. There's a heck, a particular well, where I come from, Suffolk is just populated of course, with, yeah, with, East Anglia, with thatch yeah. houses. But there aren't many Thatchers, and that's one of those professions that is definitely dwindling. But I'd say it's a, probably a little better off than masonry. I don't know, maybe not. Yes, certainly one of the the bygone professions, as Matt says, that I always think of that goes way back would be the the poor sod way back mm. in like the medieval era. 
whose job it was to stand in the cesspit as literal shit fell on him yes. and like shovel it out. Of course. What yeah. are they called? Well, that that the level. Shit shovelers. Poop, poop scoopers. Poop scoopers. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, ye olde poopy scoopo. Um, My father was called Ploppy the Slopper. What? <laughs> the there's a title, isn't there? In I don't know if it's if it's like the court, the royal court, or, or politics of the Privy Council. Yes, the Privy. And Council. the Privy is all to do with the toilet. And there's actually a, it was a very uh, highly esteemed job to be the person who dealt with the, the royal like, privy, the king's shit, essentially. Yes, the king's shit assistant. Yes, like you're cleaning the, the shit of like the god appointed you know leader of our country. That's that's some that's some important shit right there, <laughs> literally. Um, but there must be something more recent than like the 20th century, a kind of a big job that's now totally yeah. gone. What you mean a, a more a more recent job? Yes, a more recent a job mm. that was really important and then suddenly it just disappeared into into obscurity. Maybe something in the media business because that's changed it online a lot, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly things like being a printer is becoming less and less. That, that's but true. That's still because there's well, a, a typesetter. Typesetter, but again. I think typesetters have gone. The way they do it now is, is it's very mechanical. Digital, but yeah. oh, I, I went to an amazing um, printing museum in 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 Denmark actually a, yeah. a while back. I mean, because my dad used to be a printer, so he was fascinated sure, with all that of sort of stuff. And it, what, what I always find amazing with those is just like, okay, how, how do you think you typeset? How, how how would you even think you, you you create say a page of a book to be printed in old fashioned way? So as far as I vaguely know. You have your your cases of letters, which is where we get uppercase mm. and lowercase from, and you put them in back to front, right? Well, yeah, they, they, in, yeah, in reverse yeah. order, so they print obviously like that, and then you put them into a into kind of shelves or little lines, and then you create your page. Is that it? It's, 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 you're close. It's just actually a little more complicated than that. You actually create a cast of so you create a cast of that, and oh. then you create an actual print of the page so that's like the page original like the negative of the page and then you slap that down so it's almost like you create a plate and they're called plates i think i i don't remember the exact terms but you, you, you the idea is you use those types those types to then create a, a cast which then makes the plate and you use that plate to then print the book or that makes sense yeah. i'm glad i was somewhat the way yeah, there. yeah but yeah you were much closer that's so it reminds me too. of i think a lot of big careers from the industrial revolution that then disappeared would be say the, the 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 pottery makers the the weavers, where for a while it probably seemed like this is this is the big thing we've got all these machines mm. and you work these machines this is going to be it and then of course it became more and more automated and those jobs were were suddenly they came and went as quickly as they came, and they went as well. Something like Josiah Wedgwood, if you know, he's one of the most probably the, maybe the most famous British potter yeah, and pottery okay. company. Right, right, right. Um, they had their own kind of, you know, handmade production line of pottery. And they still exist today. Josiah Wedgwood's company, mm-hmm. who I can't remember where they are, in, where whereabouts in the UK they are. But they still handmade pottery. But by and large, those things went into automated systems. But, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, but I think there's been a, a, a reverse trend recently where people, for let's say for objects in the home, mm. ornaments, pottery, people actually want to go back to a handmade item and not a machine-made item because... Some well, no. woman or man put their thumbprints into that, and I can. There's feel something to that. be said for all of that. That kind of bespoke. I think. I think that's sort of getting resurgent. I think the internet uh, is helping, and lots of small companies are, are doing that kind of thing, like glass blowing, like uh, all these sort of mm. old. Yeah, but bespoke artisans. And technologies is because people are willing to pay more 
for something made in that old-fashioned artisanal way. Yes. So they're sort of becoming a sort of niche business. Yes. In a way they weren't before. Yes. Uh, particularly, like I say, maybe even thatching or, or or masonry might become those kind of yes, you know, sort of niche, niche business in a different way because you know who who makes glass uh, sort of ice sculptures. I don't need a guy to make an ice sculpture for this this guy. I know it's a very popular thing to have at events. Yeah, it's true. Uh, That's very true. It's cool, but who, who? Where do you go to get the ice sculpture guy? Yes, and also how does right. one become an ice sculptor again at school when they say right choose a career? No one. Oh. They never say you can be an ice sculptor. By oh, the way, uh, there, there wasn't. Uh, there was a gunmaker. Uh, as one of the gunsmith, maybe yeah, it was actually called yeah. Gunmakers. Uh, at uh, as one of the what do you call them work experience jobs that we were were allowed to do. I, I did apply for it. I didn't get the gunmaker. Well, some, <laughs> yeah, that somebody would be cool else, to do. perhaps more suitable, got it. <laughs> I ended up getting a solicitor's uh, as my oh, work experience. That's still quite interesting. It, it was, but it also solidified in my mind a single thing. Which was, I will never, ever work in an office if yeah. I can fucking avoid it. I don't want to go into a normal job, let's say. Because everything about it made my skin crawl from the inside out. So, uh, interesting coincidence. My work experience job, when I was about 15, 16, was with a an industrial magazine publication. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so they had a an industrial magazine for a certain industry, and they published it, and they wrote different articles for it. Then, probably... A decade later, when I'd moved around the country, I'd been to university and out and blah, 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 blah. And we, you and I lived together in mm. Devoles. Dove, Dove holes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. In Derbyshire. And I worked in Buxton. I worked for the Buxton Press. And one of our clients, one of my clients specifically, because I was, an, well, I was a, an account executive, was this printed with this publication that I worked for, for my work experience. Oh, that's hilarious. And they were my client. And that was just a really weird tie-in. So that's, that's career crazy. experience. And yet again, like we said earlier, another job added to my roster of jobs I oh, did. Oh, yeah, but just... Uh, working in printing. Uh, I, 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 this is this is a job I had for a few years, and it's a job I uh, I hated beyond belief. But <laughs> I, 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 I learned something from, which was when I worked in what, what I would call the money mill. Oh, we, yes. I worked in an underground bunker underneath uh, Lloyd's TSB Bank. Yes. Uh, where counting money, effectively, uh, sorting money, and it was just like... Millions of pounds being moved in and shifted physical back cash, in right? physical cash, back and forth, both coins and 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 notes. Mostly, most money is contained in twenty pound notes in the UK. Most okay. money is our our main notes are five, ten, twenty. Some twenty is very by rare. far the quantity of twenty pound notes. That's interesting. I would have thought it would have been incredibly maybe, high. Yeah, and well, I, I learned a lot from it, and it just. It, and it learned. It learned. It taught you to to see money in a different way. See money as mm-hmm. just a, another thing. It's right? just a thing. But was it ever depressing to see those large amounts of money? Of course it was. Yeah, no. Every now and it. again, you'd sort of go, "God, if this one br- and it, you made bricks of money, bricks of cash." Yeah. So you, you, you could press them down with these big strapping machines, which were awesome to use. Oh yeah, industrial stra- strapping machines. Strap them down into these awesome bricks. Very tight. And you just go, "I'm holding fifty grand, right?" That would sort me out. That would, that would just do this, you? and this is fl- hundreds of these are flying through this oh. place every every so it day. Kind of, it makes money thousands meaningless. Yeah, it? in a weird way. So it sort of takes this idea of money and makes it an absurdity. And I think loads of people and loads of people and it had a very negative attitude. That place, everyone there was no sunlight. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. everyone was counting money and they weren't paid. They were paid. The pay was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible. Terrible, but yeah. it was it was above minimum wage. So it wasn't like they were insulting you, but. At the same time, everyone was really angry and complaining and under high pressure at all times. But 
certainly what I learned there was you, you can't get there's no need to get angry about the money mm. really because it's just a, a bit of paper that you strap together and throw into a big yeah. big old cage full would of money would you say that was your worst ever job because <sighs> for me as I talked about the press the print, the printing job yeah that was maybe my worst in terms of when mm. I was a chef that made me that was real hard work it was the hardest job I've ever mm. done but working in the press was the most stressful job I've ever yeah. done, and I, I literally lost sleep. I'd wake up at 5 a.m. with anxiety and not go back to sleep. See, it was horrible. I never had that. What the money meal did, it destroyed my sleep because what I'd want to do is after it is just enjoy my life. And yeah. it just felt, it was a it was a grind. You know, it's sort of, there were some nice people there, you know, that were trying to get on with their life and, you know, all this yeah. kind of stuff. But it just felt like I was being ground down oh, no. very slowly. <laughs> You know, like and, and it, the idea, and it, they were always like, "Oh, you know, maybe you could go for a promotion. Maybe you could get, you know, could." And I was like, "No, anything but stay in this place. Anything oh, but no. continue this." And and, and, it, and they, I, they cut corners. It was G four S, right? Oh, uh, happily level with security core. Yeah, they cut corners. They they they, and I I, I don't want to you know give any corporate slander, but it's long since I ever worked there. But well, they they have a bad track record. Again, yeah, we talked about the Olympics uh, in a previous episode, and the London twenty twelve Olympics were yeah, originally they s- destroyed it. Yeah, they, they yeah G four S destroyed it. Their their handling of it, the security of it, they had to bring in the army, I believe, right, mm-hmm. in, in, inevitably to, they to, did, to, yes. to to make up the they messed it up completely. And it, I, 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 as soon as I saw that news, I was like, well, that's G four S. Cut corners. Don't do things properly. Say you can do something and not be able to do it. And when something's missing, just cheat. Oh no, that's terrible. Yep. And there was so much of that, so much of that sort of easy cut corners, you know. I was lucky never to be a responsible person who ever made a decision like yeah. that. But that was the general assumption, is it just felt like you wanted to cut corners and push. And Do you want to live in a job like that? That's no. terrible. I'm going to bring us back, before we finish, to the rugby ball, which is somewhere. Where have you put it? Uh, you threw it at me and it's... Uh, oh, that's right. Well, it doesn't matter then. Cause it's long gone. Uh, if you can find it, I'd like to throw it at you again. So the last question is, no. is it... His- historically significant. Uh, the rugby ball? Yes, because at the moment it was, the, at least the story we tell about how rugby was uh, created. yes. Which is the idea of, uh, came from uh, somebody just picked up a football at some point yes. and started running along with it and dis- and suddenly it was a sport. Yes, and then, as you say, that's the story we tell. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but it's the wonderful yeah, mythology well, of rugby. Do you know the history of original football? Soccer itself. Yeah, which is apparently it used to be just something that happened in the town. Yeah, it was they just had a bladder the, and they just people, played it through the streets. And, and just it kicked be h- a ball around. Hundreds of people yeah, playing it. Yeah, it was literally right? hundreds and hundreds of people kicking a ball around. And that felt more, but you could pick it up. So that was almost more like the way we play rugby now in many ways because there so was fewer rules. One of uh, Terry Pratchett's modern books before he sadly passed called Unseen Academicals is about football. A lot, of, a lot of Pratchett fans don't like it because it's very different from his usual oeuvre and it's football, which often Pratchett fans aren't football fans. But in his disc world, the, the game as it's played at the time is it's hundreds of people and it's played across a huge urban area. It's violent, it's horrible, and there's very little actual kind of football rules to it. And they keep referring to it as foot the ball, which I think is where that term comes from. Yeah. Foot the ball, kick the ball, essentially. That makes sense. Um, yeah, another cool sport, I think it was Aztecs. It's other Aztecs. Like, with, with, with a decapitated, decapitated head, is that right? Uh, or is that part of the mythos as well? I don't know about that. That's what, I mean, I think it might have involved stuff like that, but it was a sort of sunken court. 
in the shape of an eye. With kind of raised sides. A capital I, I should say, with raised sides. And basically all the players were thrown in, they had these sticks and they just... Went at, went at it, they, yeah. Like, the, the rumour is that it's a decapitated head they whapped around. It may not have been. Yes. That might have been something they did sometimes, maybe. Yes, to put fear into people. Yeah, or after they sacri- had a particularly good sacrifice yeah. or whatever. I wonder if, uh, we talked about it earlier, I wonder if Matt was sporty at school. Were you sporty, Were you sporty, Matt? Matt? Were you um, the same as us, not very sporty people? I, I wasn't very sporty. I was I was good at running. I was okay at this Oh, running. you do have a runner's frame, actually, now I think about it. I was, But as soon as they needed me to run more than 100 metres, I was a bit too smoky. Oh, so quite a sprinter? Yeah. Did you do athletics at school? Um, a little bit, yeah. 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 I, was, I was within the school. I was the fastest in my year. No way! Oh, oh shit! We've got a sprinter on our yeah. hands. I was all right at sort of endurance running at school, but I was not, bad never at, a sprinting. I was, I was bad, bad at all kinds of running. But I mean, I am an asthmatic, which I use yeah, an excuse. It's, it's pretty but also at the same time, there are plenty of asthmatic just, athletes like, there, out there. There's your genetics going against you being that Olympic athlete, unless you take some drugs. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I quite like drugs, so give me the drugs. <laughs> we'll end on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, let's talk to this camera here. This camera here. That hello. one there. Hello. No, not hello. Goodbye. Goodbye. Go away now. Thanks for joining us. We've lost the rugby ball. Yeah, who knows where that went. But then we lost it in our conversation as well, which is what we do here anyway. Yeah. We'll see you next time for another yeah. episode of the Speculation Station podcast. Thanks for what joining. What did you just say? Shh. I've the had... Speculation Station podcast? <laughs> By this time, I've had quite a lot of vodka. So my consonants and syllables are erroneous, to say the least. Erroneous, good roll. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, Come again you. next yeah. time for another episode where we'll have another mystery yeah. object. And join us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook yeah, for the yeah, time subscribe, being. Subscribe, like, whatever it is you do. You know, tweet to us on Twitter. Thespeculationstation.com, that's a website we yeah. have apparently. At spec underscore station. Is that it? That's well, remembered, our, okay. That, I don't know. That's our, that's our Twitter handle. <laughs> Very unprofessional that I don't know that. So we'll see you next time, cool guys and gals. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Go away now. Ah, oh, so rude. Speculation station. Ha, ha, ha.